0: Hello, welcome to this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LL underscore Penguins. Happy Friday, everyone. Another weekend is here. We're getting closer now to the start of a new year. Well, about time because, you know, most of this year has just been pretty dog shit. But uh, we do have a guest on the podcast for today. We'll also have a guest next week as well. I'll tease that at the end of this episode. Um, He's been on the podcast before. Well, the guest today. That is um, Doug Glatke. How we doing, buddy?
1: Good, man. How you doing? Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, man. I'm uh, not doing too, too bad myself. You know, I'm just mostly with my girlfriend's dog since it's her birthday. So that'll be uh, a fun night tonight when she comes home from work. Um, it looks like we're getting closer to hockey. Um, in this segment, guys, we'll talk about, you know, some of the start of season stuff that's been coming out the last couple of days or, well, kind of the lack thereof, it's just because there's really not been... Too much news. Um, the Canadian teams may have to play in the U.S. just because of border restrictions. Um, there's still no um, NHLPA vote, which kind of stinks. But we'll touch on that. Right. Uh, well, right after I asked Doug this question, but Doug, buddy, how are you feeling about the realignment uh, going into the season?
1: I I like it a lot. You know, I think that that first realignment leak that came out probably about a month ago, like where it had the Penguins away from like the Flyers and stuff wasn't going to be good, but, uh, the way that they have it set up where, uh, they're going to be in uh, a division with all the typical suspects and then Boston and Buffalo. I, I really like that the way the Eastern division looks. And I think, uh, I think it's going to make things a little more competitive for the Penguins, but, uh, you know, it's going to make everything exciting for this, uh, four to five month, like stretch run that we're about to go on. That starts next month.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, the hope is that it starts next month. I mean, Pierre Lebrun said this morning, no vote expected on the PA executive board call today. The transition rules would still need to be completed. Those rules are not done yet. And then there's the whole Canadian team situation where, you know, they may not be allowed to play in Canada because of the, uh, I think the province restrictions that everyone's been talking about. Um, He also said the league does not have a board of governors call scheduled for today. Um, So I mean, originally I think at the beginning of this week, you know, both sides were like, "Yeah, let's have something done by the end of the week. Let's have some calls done. We can finalize the season." You know, Doug, in typical NHL fashion, though, that's not the case. They're just going to wait until the very last minute. It's like turning it's like doing a homework assignment in homeroom in middle school and then turning it in next period. I think basically, Um, they just they love they love to do this. And with a January 13th restart date, still what they want to do. I don't know how they're going to pull that off as it's, I think, less than four weeks now to the season. They may have to postpone it for like a couple more weeks or something.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's very bleak right now. It reminds me a lot of when the rumors started coming out that they were going to go back into the bubble. You know, we didn't know what was going to happen from a day to day basis. And, um, now we're at a point where it's almost Christmas and that's probably going to take the, league out of commission for two whole weeks with the Christmas and New Year holiday. And, you know, it, it leaves them such little time to figure out a January 13th start date. I know that they were adamant on it in the beginning, but part of me thinks that we may not see it.
0: Mm. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I always, I talked about this a couple weeks ago. One of the biggest things that I that I think the better scenario for them just started like the weekend of the Super Bowl, but like obviously don't have games on Super Bowl Sunday. Play games on that Friday or Saturday. Do a three-night opening game triple header on NBC. And then on Saturday, just do a game at noon. Do a game at 2.30. Do a game at 5 o'clock. Do a game at 7.30. Do a game at 10 o'clock. Air them across NBC and NBC Sports Network. And, you know, that's a hell of a return for the NHL. I mean, we you know the NBA is coming back next week. I mean, they're obviously going to have... Um, a bunch of games on their networks, but I think that would be prudent for the NHL to do, especially because a January 13th restart, it doesn't seem likely at this point just because of how late that they're doing these negotiations and everything. I mean, at least there's no economic problems, but I mean, I think a Super Bowl weekend would be awesome for the league because they, they, I mean, everyone would be watching them that weekend. I mean, there's no college football. I mean, the, everyone's gearing up for the Super Bowl on that Sunday. I mean, there's no baseball. People who still watch the NBA, sure. But like other than that, I mean, everyone will be glued to their TV, I think, watching hockey. And you can just air the games in the afternoon throughout the day when everyone's not working. And I think that would be a great um, idea. What do you think?
1: I think that would be perfect. Just run it like like they do Hockey Day in America, yeah, where it's just all day, every day. And uh, that would be the perfect gear up for the Super Bowl, you know? If uh, – I know this isn't a Steelers podcast, but if the Steelers do what we all think that they're capable of doing, I'm going to need something to take my mind off of that for a day or two. So that would be perfect.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully the Steelers figure that out soon enough. Uh, if you guys want to go check out more Steelers content, go to Locked on Steelers. Chris Carter does a hell of a job over there because, boy, those guys need something uh, going into their game against the Bengals, though. I mean, they, it's the Bengals, so I think they should take care of them pretty easily. But back to the... Hockey Talk, I want to touch on what you said about the uh, realignment thing. I honestly wouldn't have minded those first divisions that leaked out just because they would have been new opponents for the Penguins. And honestly, that division's a lot better for them, um, just you know, standings-wise and like teams-wise, than this one is going to be if this one does indeed happen. Um, I think the Penguins in that first one would probably finish only second to Tampa Bay. Uh, maybe third to say if St. Louis wants to play pretty well. I know Columbus, I think, would be in there. They have a really good team, too. But I think that I would take the Penguins over both those teams. But, I mean, I think they would probably lose the division by 20 points Tampa Bay. But this one, I mean, Doug, you, you thought Penguins fans were bad if they played the Flyers four times in a year. How about seven times? You know, same with the Capitals. I mean, that's just going to be World War Three all over again. I mean, playing Boston seven times. I mean, I don't think the Penguins have won up in Boston since NOM. Uh, it's been... I, honestly, I I, could, could, I literally cannot even tell you when the last time they won up in Boston. That's how bad it's been. So, um, you know, they, they, you got to play the Rangers who are young and up and coming. The Islanders are no slouch either, especially with how Barry Trotz coaches his team. Say what you will about how boring it is. Um, they still are, are a great team. And it's just, you know, it's going to be a bloodbath throughout that whole season for how many games it is. And then, you know, you have the playoff format. And if they do a divisional format, which so God, help me God, they don't, um, you're going to be playing those teams potentially seven more times.
1: Yeah, that, that's a good point, you know, and they're in a division where there's really not a single team in there that is like a basement team. Yeah. You know, I, New Jersey's debatable, but I think that they're going to be able to be competitive and, uh, hold their heads above water for a little bit, you know? And, uh, it's just, it's going to be interesting, you know. We're we've been blessed over these past however many years to cut consistently be a playoff lock, but you know if they start out of the gate slow, man, like we're we're getting into shady territory where it might be close.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. You know, I could also put Mike Sullivan's job in jeopardy, which you know no one really would have thought of that just a couple of years ago. But with the last two flameouts in the postseason, and if they start pretty slow below 500 of the first 20, 25 games and only like a 55-game season. Uh, even during a COVID kind of year, I could totally see them letting him go, even though, you know, the franchise has obviously lost a mo- lot of money. But I think every franchise has as well. And then, I mean, you know, before we do get to the commercial break, I did want to ask you about this. I mean, Frank Ceravelli did say that I think they're designing a triple header for opening night, like we did talk about a few minutes Ago. They want to do a Bolts-Banner game. He says potentially versus Chicago. I hard pass on that. Play them against an actual good team. A big East Clash. I mean, I think for the East Clash, Pittsburgh-Washington would fit that bill. I don't really think anyone wants to see Rangers-Bruins. I think the Rangers are going to be a good team, but like they're not there yet. I think Boston. Um, but Honestly, you could do Boston-Tampa for their banner. I think that would be great. And then a big East Clash, you can do... Washington, Pittsburgh, and then the marquee West matchup. I think that everyone would want to see. Colorado, Vegas, Colorado, Dallas. I mean, sure, Colorado, St. Louis works, but with the Blues not potentially being as good this year, um, I could see them maybe moving away from that and just like putting two of three best teams in the West up there. Um, what are your thoughts on the triple header and what teams you would want to see on opening night?
1: I like I like the uh, triple header idea. You know, I think you you run. Boston, Tampa, Pens, Caps, and then probably, obviously, everybody wants to see Colorado Vegas. But with how the bubble ended with uh, Dallas and Colorado, I would give the I would give that another go because that was that was a crazy uh, crazy ending to that series, and uh, it sent Colorado out in a time where they probably shouldn't have won out.
0: Yeah, that would be fine. I think a lot of people would tune in to watch Colorado Dallas. I mean, a lot of people thought Colorado should have won that series. I understand that they have the superior talent, but, you know, Anton Khudobin was just on something during those entire playoffs. He was incredible, and I think that was obviously the reason why they did bring him back. But um, before we do get, to get to our next segment, which we'll be touching on uh, Brandon Tanev's season review, it's time to talk about... Bilco, whether it's a mental or physical wall, you can break through with Go every day. It's easy to take in 1.5-ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever. Put it in your golf bag to power through the back nine, or you can put it in your pocket to get through the day. It's the best workout gel on the, mar- on the market. There are three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. There's an offer. You can go to Bilco.com and use promo code LOCK and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at Bilco.com. Let's go. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at penguins. And then for our uh, third segment, um, there was this thing I saw last week. I think the NHL posted on all their social media platforms. Who are the uh, top five best penguins of all time? Um, We'll we'll touch on that, Doug. We obviously probably have the same uh, final four. I mean the top four, but the fifth spot is open to debate. I have mine, but I'll be curious to see if you um, agree with mine. But first up, let's touch on Brandon Tanev here. I've just been going through the lineup the last few weeks doing season reviews for the team. Um, Brandon Tanev, I think he made me eat some crow. I mean, obviously the contract is garbage. I mean, he still has five more years left, $3.5 million per season. You know, it's the end of that contract is not going to be good. He still, I mean, obviously doesn't provide like a ton of offense. Had six goals last season, um, 17, um, 17 points. Um, you know, you look at his underlying numbers. Um, his scoring chances for scoring chances against 279 to 265. His scoring chances for percentage was 51 percent. He was good in the defensive zone, his high danger chances for 108 to 103. So he's actually like playing more in the offensive zone. Um, so I mean, we all know what his role on the team is. He's an elite, he's elite at shot, shot suppressing, he's a good penalty killer, but you know, if you want to rely on him on offense, it's probably not going to work. Definitely, I think a bit overpaid, but I still think he made me eat some crow just because I, I noticed how fast he was. He was very. He drew a lot of penalties. Um, he, when he would chip in, it would be I think during big moments. And you know, I'm curious to see what he has in store for the Penguins this season. Um, if he can get his offense to come out a little bit more, I think people would you know ease up on you know just trashing that contract. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on him?
1: Yeah, I, I'm in a I'm in agreement with you. Where I think if he if he just gets a little bit more of an uptick in production where he's like, goes from just being like a 25 to 30 point guy to being a 35 to 40 point guy, I think we're fine. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he, obviously he's a very good defensive forward and, um, that's going to get him stapled into a bottom six role. I know that they were trying him with Malkin in the very beginning, but, um, with the way everything's arranged now, there's no room for that to occur. And, um, you know, I think my, my biggest fear with Brandon Tanev is that they're going to try and put him on the third line with Jared McCann yeah. and Mark Jankowski. And I think I'd, if it came down to it, I would much rather them um, maybe just put Bluger up at the 3C and let Jankowski and Tanev play together on the fourth line with whoever that left winger is going to be when Aston Reese is out. Um, I know that the Penn's social... Have been uh, really pumping the tires on the fact that uh, Tanev and Jankowski are like best friends and they've to college together. So I I'm expecting that. that Sully's going to give them a chance to play together. It's just a matter of in what capacity and what role that is.
0: Yeah, I, I have seen them pumping that up a lot. I mean, I think if you look at Brandon Tanev's Instagram, all that's, I mean, when he posts on his story and all that, it's almost like every time you see him post, he's just with Jankowski. So it looks like there's been been basically quarantining together through the entire off season. I think they're both back in Pittsburgh. I think most of the players are back in Pittsburgh right now. So they're just mostly skating with each other. Um, I do agree with you. I don't really want Tanev on the third line. I honestly rather have Evan Rodriguez on there. And I'm not even the biggest Evan Rodriguez fan in general, to be honest. Sure. We just need to see more of him. I think for, for people to just, you know, uh, get. Uh, I'm like trying to get, put it into words. Um, I think he's one of the most intriguing players going into the season for the team. You just want to see a lot more of him. And I think that's what Mike Sullivan may do. And like I said, I would much rather have Tanev on the fourth line with Aston Reese and Bluger. When Aston Reese obviously comes back, he's going to be out, I think, for the first month or two of the season with the injury that he suffered or the surgery that he had. But um, I I don't think Tanev is the kind of player that McCann needs on the third line to succeed
1: yeah i agree um my my biggest fear with with the whole mccann thing is like they're going to use him as a winger primarily Mm -hmm. and they're going to place him with just like people that aren't fit for like him to carry a line and that's going to be what ends up killing him here and probably get him sent out of here which bothers me because like He's still really young and really good, mm-hmm. and he just needs the players around him to help him succeed, and I don't think that Brandon Tanev is that guy. I think Jankowski could be that guy. Obviously, I think Jankowski's more has more offensive upside than Bluger, but we have to just wait and see what happens with the Jankowski-Bluger uh, uh, bottom six center debate and where they end up.
0: Yeah, and and that's what I've been saying, too. You know, you need the right kind of players around McCann. The players with more offensive upside. Because, I mean, we do know that McCann is good defensively, but I think he's more of an offensive player than he is a defensive player. We've seen in, in flashes with him, I mean, he had that really big hot streak to start this past season before he just went ice cold like it was no tomorrow. I think I've said it on this podcast before, Doug. One goal in his last 25 games to end the season. I mean, almost like five points in his last 25 games. He was just ineffective. And then, you know, you couple that with putting the corpse of Patrick Marlowe on his line. It's just not a good time. And, you know, he needs young offensive players on his line. I was advocating for them to sign Craig Smith this offseason. That didn't happen. I was advocating for them to sign Jesper Faust. He was good offensively, but was also good defensively. That didn't happen. And now you're just sticking a couple of players on his line that, you know, he's never really like played with before. So it's going to be an interesting transition mm-hmm. for him. And yeah, it... I don't know, man. That's I, that, that third line is the biggest question mark I think I have about this team. You you know what your other three lines are going to be. Um, you know what your defensive pairings are going to be. I mean, save if Chad Ruedel beats out Cody Ceci, then it's Matheson Ruedel. But, you know, what are you going to get from that third line? Every time the Penguins have won the Stanley Cup in the Sid uh, Gino era, you've had a great third line. The HBK line, you have a cook kennedy line. You know, can this be one of those great third lines? I have... a a lot of doubts about it, though. I mean, if it would, though, I would eat a lot of crow, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, I don't think the problem is Jankowski. I think Jankowski's perfectly fine, especially if he can come in bringing some of the offense that he did in his first few years in Calgary. Um, You know, McCann needs a defensively responsible guy, so he can just go and be the offensive um, out- guy on that line it's just a matter of finding who's going to be that right winger for them you know and obviously we said evan rodriguez sam lafferty's a, pot- a potential guy um colton sevier maybe
0: i, I, to- I totally forgot i don't that he's really still know team well, i i just remember that they got him in the trade with matheson that's just that, that just goes to show where my yeah. mind is in he- this offseason man <laughs>
1: It's it's one of those things like where I have no idea what Colton Sevier is going to do. I just know that he exists. So, I just kind of like, you know, maybe he could be a third liner. You know, we're we're getting so worried about third line uh, guys whenever a big part of us winning in 17, we had Carter Rowney playing third line minutes. And just being really good in the offensive zone in terms of possession at times and setting up big, big plays. But, um, you know, the big thing that I'm banking on Hunter and I don't know if it's going to happen and it's going to make me sad if it doesn't happen is, uh, I'm like banking on Sam and making the roster.
0: Yeah, man. I, I just, I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, he didn't make team Canada's roster. I did. I see a tweet from Danny Shirey Irving, you know, I think, you know it was probably a shot at some of us. I think I'm probably in there too, you know, just I think people have a little bit of unrealistic epi- expectations that he may make the team. I mean, I am on the thought that he will make the team, but will I be surprised if he gets sent down and doesn't make it? Absolutely not. It would be like it's honestly probably the more likely outcome, though I do ex- I think he will still make the team. though it does suck, man that he didn't make team Canada's world junior roster. Um, I thought he was definitely a locked honestly to get on it, but that just goes to show how stacked Canada. Is, but I'm just I'm just excited to see him. Um, you know, I, I, well, You know, we talked about Colin Sevier. You know, so, so help me God, maybe he's a 10 to 15 goal scorer for the Penguins this season. Maybe he's the offensive output on the third line next to McCann. And then you can put Mark Jankowski on there, who's more defensively responsible, though he did have a 12 goal season, I think, um, just about a season and a half ago. So um, you have that to look forward to as well. Um, is there any other big question you have about this team going into this year? You know, third pairing, goaltending, anything like that?
1: I I just, you know, I think the third pairing is going to be interesting because um, I said this to somebody the other day where I hope that the Penguins aren't so enamored with Pedersen and Marino together that they won't split them up because I think that Mike Matheson would be perfect for Marino because of how much of a stay-at-home presence John Marino is. It would allow... Matheson to play his game you know take the puck up in the offensive zone and take chances a little bit hmm. so I'm not sure what you think about that but that's what that's what I'm thinking
0: yeah I think uh, I'm in agreement with you on that you know I'm just I'm hoping Matheson just pans out in general you know maybe, maybe Todd Reardon can work some devil magic with him but we'll have to see on that but uh coming up in the next segment Doug uh, we'll touch on you know who we think the five uh best uh, players are in penguins history well who that number five spot goes to basically because everyone knows who uh, the top four is so stay tuned for that for the last few minutes of the show all right welcome back to this episode of the locked on penguins podcast i'm your host hunter hody so doug i mean it's obviously uh lemieux sid yager gino um that's the top four i mean unless you have any other player that you want to put in your top four do you have any hot takes for that or are we, we good for that
1: no, the, that's that's the solid four. Yeah. Um. The the five one's going to be the big question mark though.
0: Who's your number five? Because I got mine ready.
1: Well, it's obviously it's going to be between Latang and Paul Coffey, right? You yeah. know, two two great defensemen from two different eras. Um, I think I'll give the edge to Latang. Just you know, kind of like aging myself, I guess. You know, he was he's just such a big part of this core, and he's not appreciated nearly as much as he should be. You know, and obviously Ron Francis gets some consideration. Yeah. But um I think I stick with Letang. That I might be kind of a hot take, but I'm just gonna ride with it and see what happens.
0: Yeah, I mean I definitely see the argument for Chris Letang. I mean he's the second well for if if In terms of like playing with only one team, best defenseman in franchise history, Paul Coffey obviously went around the league, but um, I'm going to go Paul Coffey, man. I mean, what, what he did with the Penguins, I mean, guy put up two 100-point seasons with them. I mean, obviously won the Stanley Cup. I mean, in their first Stanley Cup run, <laughs> 93.76 games. I mean, he is, I think, the best defenseman in franchise history for all the defensemen that have come through here. Um. Also, my mom's favorite player. Fun fact for everyone out there. But I mean, it's just obvi- Ron Francis, a big, big one too. You can also argue Kevin Stevens, he is great. But it's just like what Paul Coffey was able to do, you know, 1,500 points overall for his career, multiple 100 point season with the Penguins, almost another 100 point season, won the Stanley Cup with them. Just like how he saw the ice, you know, just going back and watching all the highlights of him and just. How he moved the puck up the ice so smoothly. Um, it just it can't be topped. And, you know, I, I know some people will put the argument, oh well, he only played with the penguins for three to four years. Yeah, I, I know. Everyone knows the penguins history. But you know, what he did in those three to four years though, it just it puts him over the top. But, you know, I understand why people would say um Crystal Tang though. But after that, if you want to go six, seven, I think I'd probably put Francis at six. And then Stevens at seven. I know some people would probably put Marc-Andre Fleury around that area. I would laugh at you because I honestly think Marc-Andre Fleury is one of the most overrated players in the history of the league. And but in terms of franchise history, though, I mean, I'd probably put him towards the end of the top ten, but like there's still a bunch of players that I would put before him. But I think at six, seven, Francis and then Stevens.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, you know, Fleury's probably in the ninth. Ten range, yeah. Um, I think it would be kind of ignorant for us to like put him outside of the top ten. Yeah, but I do agree it. he was super overrated, and you know he tanked a couple of Crosby and Malkin's prime years, and I don't think I'll ever get over that.
0: Yeah, the uh, the series against the Flyers, the series against the Bruins, hell, they almost lost the series against the Islanders because he had a meltdown in uh, Game Four, basically. Where, of course, Tomas Sobotka had to come in, so yeah, I, yeah. I, I would agree with you there. I mean, we're just we've just been so spoiled over the years with so many franchise greats. Um, also, Doug, before we go, um, if you had to pick where the Penguins finish in this realigned division with all their uh, gauntlet uh, rivals, uh, where do you think they will finish? Because I have them at third right now.
1: I, I I have them at third, but I can also see them falling into a wild card.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I mean, they're also, they may not do wild cards here. They may just do top four per division, which would make sense because it's a different format. Then, okay. Then just please do not have an all pl- a division playoff format. I've been long advocating for the league to just see them one through 16, see them one through eight, or just have the top teams pick their opponents. I don't really care if a can- Canadian team plays a U.S. team from the West or something like that. It would just be so much fun if they were to try off something new. Okay. But, um, Doug, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. You know, especially because you know it was kind of last minute, but uh, you know this was fun. Uh, next week we'll be having Alan Saunders on. He covers the Steelers, and he does some stuff for the Pirates, and of course he's done stuff for the Penguins as well. A Great figure in the uh, Penguins, in the Penguins, and the Pittsburgh media community. So look for that. Uh, I think it will be around Wednesday of next week. But Doug, really, man, thank you so much for coming on
1: yeah man it, I had fun thanks for having me on
0: yeah and uh where can everyone follow you on twitter
1: follow me on twitter at doug underscore um tweeting about the penguins all the time I just have random thoughts and I put them out there but uh yeah I'm a, I'm a fun follow I, I I I know my stuff and uh you know I won't be super annoying so yeah
0: yeah he's nice he's not super annoying unlike yours truly who just tweets a bunch of nonsense but um Again, guys, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully the Steelers can pull it off. Yeah, I forgot that matchup is on Monday, so that's fine. At least there's no Virginia Tech football to watch this weekend, so I can't get embarrassed by watching them. So, Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you all next week.